Hey guys, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Welcome to Papercut. This week, we're talking about The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Eugene, take it away. I mean, what else is there to say about this book? It's basically Attack from Mars, right? That that was pretty much it. It really was it. It's like War of the Worlds, you know. Oh, man. Clash of two worlds. No, it's just Earth, the third planet of the solar system. And Mars, the fourth planet of the solar system. Were you expecting, like, just two massive balls just smashing each each other? Cause I mean, yes, but in a non-sexual way. Uh, yes. It's a very, in a very hardcore, manly way of, uh, you know, a lot of alien attacks, a lot of cool weapons being used, a lot of human ingenuity of trying to outsmart the aliens. Oh, and, like, no. the aliens just pwning the humans, the humans staying strong like Thanos... I mean, the Avengers. I definitely don't support Thanos. But anyway, <laughs> that is basically the book. Right, right, In right. a nutshell. In a nutshell, okay. Care to, care to elaborate just a bit more for us? Um, okay, so I think when people, like, when they hear the title, they would think it's, uh, it's an action-filled book, right? But well, we've both read this book, Nick, and I think it's safe to say that um, I learned more about London locations than actual what would happen in an alien invasion. You know, because like half the book was was narrator going, yeah, I walked from Woking to Reading and then to Kensington and then to Edgware Road. And I'm like, I know those tube stations. <laughs> but, but otherwise, uh, yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know about you. I, in terms of a story, all I got was this guy, like you said, walking throughout London and he makes it to certain checkpoints. Yeah. Some uh, aliens show up, blow sh- up. And it kind of just ends. Like, he doesn't even confront the aliens, though. Exactly. It isn't meant to be horror. That's what I was thinking the entire time. Because if it was meant to be horror, it's not good. It's not horror. It's not action. It's not thriller. It's just... Sometimes I just... I I, I ask myself, why is this one of his magnum opus? Opi, opus, yeah. Opi. I don't know. Opi. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. But, but, as much as we do give it... It is a pretty well ended book. Like I feel like the ending was quite was quite ingenious. Spoiler away, sure. Eugene. Tell us what happens in the end. Well, so you know how the aliens are, you know, with all the massive technology, intelligence, and all that stuff. They have like those heat rays, tripods. You know, they can obliterate everything in Earth with one like within one millisecond. But however, they do not have white blood cells. Yes. Yes. Racist, but yes. <laughs> I mean, there's no such thing as black blood cells. Because all the white ones killed them. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Curious. (laughs) Curious. Sorry, sorry. You're saying? But yeah, um, they all got infected by, I don't know what disease, but they got infected by diseases and they just died. Right? That was it. Yeah. Okay, tell me what you think. Was it a deus ex machina? I I I like to think it as both, right? So... I think Wells probably didn't know how to end it, so he was like, okay, let's use let's use bacteria. But it was like a good Deus Ex Machina, you know. It's not like they all just died because the ozone layer proved the Earth to be too non-poisonous for them. It wasn't something like retarded like that. Bacteria actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, I actually saw, I heard about a story where water killed the aliens. No, that's science. And I was like, do these aliens not do their research? Do they not know that Earth is basically... <laughs> 
73, 75% water, right? Like, did they not realize that it was not a good idea to not protect themselves from hey, the water? I don't know. Apparently, they only attacked inland America, so there's no water there. You know? uh, uh, yeah. Just attack Nevada, man. <laughs> the, the place where no one lives. We'd gladly have the aliens there. They can build some settlements. We can, like, co-live. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what we want. I mean, like that's it's not like America is not founded by aliens anyway. But it's interesting that the aliens died to the disease because if you look at sort of past conquests, it's normally the locals that die of diseases, not necessarily the invaders. So like when um, in the Americas, like when the, uh, when the first Europeans went over and started wiping people out, it wasn't them that killed more people. It was the disease of smallpox that, that it's, spread. And it's all about them. who's more disgusting. <laughs> exactly. Like... Obviously, the European pilgrims are going to be more disgusting than the indigenous people. Oh, uh, not necessarily true. They brought syphilis back to Europe. Isn't that a STD? Yeah, exactly. Ah, so okay. now, uh, now you know. It's like, it's like that Disney film. In Pocahontas. Yes, yes. Yes. yes she and Now, now I know how it was spread back. <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, though, like like Victorian London was so disgusting that I'm I'm surprised that. No, actually, I'm not surprised that they have immunity to basically every disease. Oh, uh, it's so true. So, like, I'm thinking, right, those Martians, they're so intelligent, they probably know that to be, san- to be sanitary, but Londoners, they're disgusting. <laughs> so what happens is, the Londoners, they have, like, a hundred different kinds of diseases, and then a hundred more that's not discovered by mankind. God. And those, those aliens, those poor aliens, you know, they just wanted to... <laughs> They just wanted to invade some world, and instead they got invaded. Their by, bodies got invaded by by the bacteria. What if, what if when we say war of the worlds, we actually mean like there's a, there's like the grand scale world that we live in, and there's also like the microbial world. <laughs> Am I reading too far into this? All and right. it's actually the microbial world that's attacking. Calm down, Stephen Hawking. Oh my god. I mean, I know I've read this plot in the grand design, but you don't need to bring it up here. <laughs> wrong book, wrong book. Wrong book, wrong, wrong book. book. Another time. Uh, yeah, I think in terms of serious themes of the book, you can still you can still find some. So I stole this completely off Sparknotes, by the way. So disclaimer, but um, I do remember seeing, so for example, um, at the start of the invasion, right, the aliens actually didn't start off right at the heart of London. So it's that they start off like at some countryside and they, they, they went in and in, right? Mm. So when the people, like when the general public heard about the invasion, like there were massive alien machines killing everyone, do you know what they did? Form perimeters? No, they just went on with their lives. <laughs> They're like, yeah, cool, who cares? Not my business. Huh, that's... Okay, I do remember. They clung to social order. I think there's like I think there's something that's worth discussing. the The idea of like humans just having to wanting to cling to social order as much as possible. But that is true, though. Like norm, I guess in what you've just described, you don't normally think about the danger until it's imminent. Yeah, exactly. So it works with like viruses it works with wars it works with global warming climate change you don't feel it until you realize oh shit it's a bit too late it's only until it starts burning your ass that you actually start feeling it yeah exactly so 
I, I do get that. I don't know if it's necessarily cling, clinging to social order, though. Um, or then they think that the military can just deal with it. They right? think the military can... Someone will deal with it. Yeah. It's the attitude It's not of, their problem. Exactly. Yeah. It's the attitude of, like, someone will deal with it. And it's interesting that it's a city as well. Because I, I heard somewhere that, like... Uh, you know, if you live in a very popular, a densely populated city, you have that mindset of someone else will deal with it, someone else will deal with it. But if you live in like a village, everyone knows each other, you do something wrong, you can't just shrug it off and say someone will deal with it because everyone in that little village will know it's you. Yeah. So there's, the, there's a bit of responsibility there. Uh, so it's interesting that uh, I actually forgot about like how the invasion started because I just thought of the, I didn't think about it geographically. When I first... You uh, thought about it. it in the film, the Tom Cruise one. I never watched that, actually. Oh. Oh, you're not missing out. <laughs> yeah, you're not missing out. But no, I forgot about that as well. I had to look it up. But it's quite interesting. Because it's like, imagine, say, if we know, like, a nuke's coming. Right. We'd probably still be, like, working. I mean, I don't know if I would know if a nuke's coming. If, if a nuke were coming, I, if I knew it was about to hit me... Like, how, how are we talking? How much time do I have here? Okay. Let's say, like, uh, you have about... Actually, no. A, nu- a nuke is a too extreme an example. Okay. Because there, there isn't really much time. And, like, there's a, lot, there's a lot of certainty that you'll die. Yeah. So, let's say if it's, like, another virus, okay? But this time it's a lot more deadlier. It's a lot more deadlier than the one we currently have. Right, right, right. But it's... But right now it's only spreading in some rural parts of Australia. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't care. Exactly. I would not care about that. And then tomorrow I'll come here and go, Nick. Ah, <coughs> oh, shoot. Here we go again. <laughs> wear my mask. Round two, baby. Where's your mask? Where's your mask? It doesn't you- matter if you wear a mask. If I don't wear a mask, then you're f- Yeah, exactly. Wear your mask, people. GG. But it's true. Like, But that one is a little bit further out because rural Australia as well. But I, I see your point, though. I do see your point, And... I think it just relates back to the whole if you don't feel the danger imminently, you just won't care. Yeah. It's a bit like leaving your work till the very last moment. Oh man. Why do you have to say that? You know you know that's what it's all about. Like, it is, it is basically what it's all about. But yeah, it's a interesting interesting thought of the day. From Sparknotes, thank from you Spark very Notes, much. Because I think you will only notice that if you lived in London. And so clearly like this was written from a Londoner's background like it was written for Londoners yeah. who knew the area because I was listening to it and like you I was like I know these places but I, I didn't work out that these were the outskirts I mean them. yeah you can't picture those places on the map so like to me it's just a bunch of names it's yeah. not like locations or anything actually a lot of those adventure novels I'd say they assume a high amount of knowledge in the locations that are mentioned in the books Mm. So, you know, I think like in a lot of Wells novels where it's like adventure based, he talked about areas surrounding London a lot. And you would need to actually either go to a map or just have those in your mind to know what he's talking about. That's true. And the same with, uh, I don't know, like I'm reading through Monte Cristo now as well and like mm. s- places like Marcel and like, you know, the island of Monte Cristo or like. But uh, does that actually exist? <laughs> No, probably not. But Chateau Deef does. Yeah, Chateau Deef does. But yeah, it's stuff like this where I'm pretty sure if you're French that you you'd be like, Oh yeah, no, okay, so he's like in the south part of this country, now it's the north part for me, it's just like 
he's in the country. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel about a lot of these novels that take place with real locations. The worst ones are the Greek ones, the really old Greek um, islands. Because, you know, if you look at Greek myths, there's so many islands. Oh, yeah. And I just give up and I'm like, no, I'll just take them as different places that probably may or may not exist. Just the only one you need to know is Crete. Crete, yeah. Crete, yeah. That's what Crete, That's it. Crete Troy, like, Sparta. Yeah. That's all you need to know. And they're all within two meters of each other. That's all you need yep. to know. <laughs> there were boats, but the boats were just were there for pretty pictures, and that's it. Yep, totally. Oh my god. Um, yeah, so there's also like the natural hierarchy part. So, you know, when the Martians came, people were thinking they are no longer the most intelligent life forms on Earth. So what will happen to them, you know? It's, it's, like, it's a bit like the Martians will view us as the same as animals, and to us... That's not very appealing thought. It's like, how can I be viewed at the same level as like this dumb this rabbit, right? Oh, he only eats carrots every day. Me, I eat chips every day. And that's processed food. It means I'm intelligent because I eat food that's processed. I mean, yeah, my food is, it's food. Yeah. And it's also my food. They're both my food, the carrot and the rabbit. Yeah. I like it when the rabbit has eaten the carrot and then I eat the rabbit. Then I get two in one. Ah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned um, the natural hierarchy and how like we get usurped by you know smarter, more intelligent beings. And I'm kind of curious. I know I know they were kind of thinking of this in a sort of life form sense, but you can definitely see this playing out in a being conquered sense. So when nations conquer each other all of a sudden the losing nation has to come to terms with the fact that it's no longer number one. Oh, and then they're slaves with their slaves. And they're slaves with their slaves. Imagine oh. that. That's why I treat people good because you never know when you might end up in the same position as them and they whoop you. Yeah. They beat your ass up. They're like, first time? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. No, that's actually a very good point, but... I actually, I, is, I I do want to see where in history this actually happened, where like an entire group of people got conquered and then they had to be slaves with their slaves. Like, has it happened anywhere in history, documented history? I'm that sure is. there is. Because um, yeah, I'm sure there is as well, but I can't think of any at the top of my head. I see. I I can guess, but I can't give you. I can't tell you concretely. So, for example, I'm quite sure, like. During the Middle Ages, like in the Golden Age of Islam, I think they might have done something like that. There are loads of slave things going on there. Yeah, true. Uh, ancient Rome, I'm quite sure they did that. Mongolian, like definitely. China, definitely. I'm sure there's something going on there. Yeah, slavery is one of the oldest... Um, Tricks in the book. Uh, oldest sort of punishments, or even if it's not punishment, oldest uh, profession, I suppose you could call it, though it's not a profession. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like one of the oldest things. Oldest way of utilising losing tribes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, I'm sure, I'm sure it is documented. But I don't know if, in this case, the aliens would see us as slaves. They were kind of domesticating humans, right? Because they needed to use their blood to refurnish themselves. Oh, yeah, they, they were vampiric or something like that. Sanguine, yeah. they needed blood. Oh yeah, I forgot, forgot about us. And was it only human blood? Like uh... no, they, I think they took cows as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, no, that makes sense. It's like mammals' blood. Right? Mammals' so, blood yeah. or something like that. Um, yeah, these aliens. Because I think he tried to explore their physiology at one point, and 
the only thing I could really conclude was that they had to stay in those shells, otherwise the pathogens get them, or the um, the gravity squishes them. So they were aware of the pathogens. I sh- actually don't know if they were aware of the pathogens. Sorry, but they wore those giant tripod things. Because I was going to say it's a bit dumb to know that it's basically filled with pathogens, and you still came here. <laughs> like I'm sure there are other places in the Earth that has mammals, hmm. not Earth. Sorry, in, in a world. In- you know like, that. not the world in the sense of uh, the book, but in the world in the sense of, like, the universe. There there has to be something yeah. better to conquer, right? Uh, I don't know. Or maybe, like, you know, their spaceships are only good enough for uh, travelling one planet's distance away. Yeah, one, eight, and one astronomical unit or something like that. Uh, um, actually, Danish. <laughs> <coughs> one parsec, actually. Uh, uh, I know we're uh, coming close to the end of our time here as well, and... I think it's quite clear how we both feel about this book. So I'm going to ask you, like, would you recommend this book to anyone? And probably would you read it again? Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I'll recommend this book to anyone. I feel like the hardcore Wales fans will have already read this book. Right. And the not Wales fans will probably not want to start with this book. Because there are a lot of better books by Wells that you can start with like not just because this book's the one that's talked about the most yeah. I don't think should be the one that you start with I feel like uh, the Wells book to start with is probably The Time Machine okay interesting I still think it's The Time Machine I know you didn't like it Nick I know I started with The Invisible Man I thought that was okay yeah I to be honest like as much praise as Wells get I've read like four books at least now and I don't. Get I it. don't know. I'm not. I'm not really a big fan of his writing style. It's it's a bit too boring and too like aristocratic. You know? I don't like. I don't like Wells actually. Like, yeah. I, I've come to that conclusion that he was quite a boring writer. Because I, I try to make myself like him because the things he writes about are interesting. It's just like he doesn't seem to have a very good grasp of. I guess you can't really take the blame on him. You know how people in the twenty first century would react to his works. <laughs> But if he had a time machine, he might have known. Yeah, fair enough. But I think I'm on the same boat. I just would not even recommend this to anyone. Yeah. Like, and for the same reasons you've given as well. And I would only recommend it to people who have read the other Wells books and yeah. are just curious. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, like, if people people who actually like this book, they will be the ones to recommend it to us. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I play no part in that because I do not want to contribute to anyone's... Uh, Boredom. <laughs> Boredom. It's basically a shortened version of Lord of the Rings. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening in. If you like what we do, follow us on Spotify. Just type in Paper Cut Podcast in your search bar or in any of your other preferred streaming sites. If you want to leave us a comment or let us know what you think, you can email us at papercut.cast at gmail.com or Instagram at papercut.cast, no caps, or Twitter at papercutpodcast, one word, no caps. Look forward to seeing you guys next week for another episode. Until then, I'm Nick. And I'm Eugene. Peace. Out.